Hello, club members, and welcome to a Nightlight Horror Movie Club mini episode where we loosen the rules and talk about whatever we want. And today, whatever. and today, I want to talk about the horrifying lore of the popular video game franchise, Five Nights at Freddy's. <gasps> Oh my god! Okay, Cake did not tell me what we were doing, and that is very, very exciting. Yes, um, and and just so you guys know, you do not have to be a Five Nights at Freddy's fan to enjoy this episode. I've only played the first two. Emma's only played the first two, and uh, I did not catch any of this shit. And it was interesting to me because at its core, it's a horror story, but a super fucking weird one. Yeah, (laughs) there's like this whole lore about the purple man, things I don't quite understand, but I am ready to understand. And what's even more fascinating is this is not my first time going into this lore. Like whenever, I don't remember how I got into it in the past, but I took a YouTube deep dive like a year ago and I thought I had figured out the lore. I was wrong because it has already changed in that short time. And the thing is, it's probably going to keep changing. So there's another addition to the franchise, another Five Nights that's coming out this year, like any month now. And that's probably going to take everything I say and make it a lie because (laughs) none of this is canon None of this is from the creator. This is all kind of extrapolated and distilled by the fan base and by um, my deep dive again into the deep annals of YouTube. So we'll just this is this is my head canon for the franchise, and we're just gonna go with it. That sounds wonderful. I think what you're referring to, and maybe you did some more digging on your own, but we did have we were trying to play Five Nights. Uh, one time on Thanksgiving at our other sister's house. And I think we like watched like a 10 minute video that just introduced this concept of all the lore, which just added so much to playing the game um, because you knew the backstory. Um, So I am very excited to expand on that. Before we do that, we should probably introduce ourselves though. Oh yeah. Hey guys, I'm Kate and that over there is Emma. We we (laughs) are to your two sisters with um, very different levels of interest in horror. Um, and, uh, we talk about horror, <laughs> all yeah, things horror, sounds, typically sounds horror movies, right. typically horror movies, but on these mini episodes, again, I'm going to loosen up the rules and talk about whatever the hell I want. Before we get any further into the lore, or I guess before we dig into the lore, we should probably tell people just a little bit about this concept of Five Nights at Freddy, like what that is. Absolutely. So this is a video game series and... At its core, have you ever wondered what it'd be like to be trapped inside a Chuck E. Cheese at night? Only Chucky can unhinge himself from his bearings and kill you. You know, I truly feel like many people have wondered what it's like to be in a Chuck E. Cheese at night. Like, what's going on when they lock up? What's Chucky up to? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What does he do? Well, add in a few supporting characters, limited access to the CCTV to watch them, and oh yeah, sometimes you can't lock the door to your office where you're hiding, and you've got Five Nights at Freddy's. At least that's the basis for the very first game, the original super basic game that has since gone on to become an entirely different animal. And we're going to talk about all of the ones that I have some information about, Um like I said, it's not just two games, it's seven games at least, if you don't include like DLC and like the mobile games. 
And it's not just games either. This this stuff is we got t- at least ten books. Um, what? Yeah, ten like like books. Like I hesitate to call them novels, but definitely like fictional series that you can purchase at a bookstore. And you also have coloring books, Bloom House. Like Jason Bloom himself is interested in a film adaptation of the series that they've been working on for years. And that would be so much fun. <laughs> and you also have and this this I don't think is actually coming to fruition, but I again I really did my research. A ride in Jacksonville, Florida. There's at <laughs> of course it was in Florida. <laughs> There's at least some concept art out there for um, what they claimed was going to be a Five Nights at Freddy's dark ride, which looks hilarious. I don't <laughs> think it's ever going to happen, but, you know, I need something to believe in. So <laughs> the second this is real, I'm going out to Jacksonville and we're going to make this happen. And every game has a different setting. So some are slightly different and others are extremely different. But the first two games, at least, you're a nighttime security guard slash ward for these sentient animatronic killing machines at a children's pizza restaurant and entertainment establishment, which is the same as Chuck E. Cheese, essentially. And just to give yourself, like, just to give you a little bit of an idea of what that looks like technically, basically... The game is very inexpensive. It's like $3 or something. Which the is first game, my, yeah. The first game, at least. And that's what drew my attention to it. I was looking for a game to play um, with a friend, and, and Kate suggested it. And it's very, very simplistic, which kind of adds to the scariness of it. So basically, at when you're working at night, like Kate's talking about, with doors that can't always close, it becomes a little bit of a puzzle. So you can only turn to the left, close that door, turn on the light, turn to the right, close that door, turn on the light that kind of shows what's immediately outside the door, and then look at CCTV cameras. And while you're doing that, the whole goal is to get from midnight to, I believe, 6 a.m. 6 a.m. And as you're doing that, whenever you look at, use the CC camera, use the lights, close the doors, it uses up um, electricity or battery power. So the, the puzzle to the game is being able to track animatronic animals as they start to move and knowing like what the blind spots are and when you should strategically use your battery power and it gets each night it gets harder so that's kind of just to give y'all a little bit of a concept of what that looks like practically (laughs) and it's way scarier than it sounds because it's all just jump scares and teddy bears singing in the background and yeah, it was like I got it for like three dollars, and it came with the first three games. <laughs> Again, and I've only played the first two, and I still can't beat the second one. So, you know, there are people who are much more skilled than I to do this lore reveal. But you know what? I'm fascinated by it, and I think it just goes to show that you don't have to be a super fan. Um, also, before we move forward, um, Five Nights at Freddy's is a mouthful, so it's been uh, it's often abbreviated to FNAF, which is also a mouthful, but a shorter (laughs) mouthful. So sometimes we're going to call it FNAF. Before we go into the game, I just want to drop some fun facts on Scott Cawthon, who is the guy who made this game. This was an indie game, just a one one guy, game developer, the animator, the writer, everything. He created this game. And it's interesting because he used to only create or mostly create Christian games. He had a game like called A Christmas Journey and The Pilgrim's Progress. And oh. like that was his bread and butter was Christian video games. And then he got some flack for one of his anima- 
not not animatronics for one of his animations on one of his other games and they're like yeah it just looks super stiff like little animatronics and he's like animatronics you say and now he's rich i wonder if he has children like i wonder if he had that thought himself like either as a child in the in like a a chuck e cheese type place or with a kid really seeing that and being like this whole experience is creepy i mean i know our (laughs) our even when we were kids and wanted to go to Chuck E. Cheese, our no, mom we was did always, not. We did sometimes. No, I know I had, did not. I wanted to go sometimes, and mom was very not into that concept. I don't. I remember going. I remember Uncle David taking us and making us go, and we were horrified of everything. And then Chucky himself came out, and we were terrified of him. And he was just like, "Why don't you go give that big rat a hug?" That's <laughs> I what do I remember. remember that. <laughs> I do I- remember that. I think when I was older, because other people were having birthday parties and stuff there, I was like, there's a ball pit. There's like gross, greasy, cheesy pizza, which I'm a sucker for. So I always kind of wanted to go back. No, I'm good. Well, you can't because it's closed. So. Is it really? Like, oh, ever? yeah. Yeah, like like I'm pretty sure Chuck E. Cheese is like done. Like they're bankrupt. They're they don't they don't exist anymore. I mean, the buildings exist, so mm. the animatronics are somewhere. But huh. let's not we're done talking about Chuck E. Cheese. Let's talk about FNAF, which will never get undumb to say. So let let's start with our cast of characters. So there's uh you, you play the role of the security guard. And I and I'm okay. I will <laughs> There are 8 billion characters in this franchise. I'm going to stick to the ones that are important for the lore. And I'm going to stick to the core four who you do need to know, which is Bonnie the Bunny, Chica the Chicken, Freddy Fazbear, who is the main one, and then Foxy the Pirate. I like that they're all like Bonnie the Bunny, Chica the Chicken, and then Foxy the Pirate. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't quite, the alliteration didn't quite last through. It doesn't. And then you have uh, Freddy Fazbear, who's the main guy, and you have Golden Freddy, who we're going to talk about. He's the scariest one of them all, but at least in the the first game, I saw him once because it's rare that he shows up. Um, he'll just like show up in your office and there's nothing you can do and it feels like you hallucinated him and then it you, it's just a jump scare and a kills and a kill screen and the game crashes and that's the role of Golden Freddy. Also, I just I had to look this up because I was just so curious. So I really thought I passed one yesterday and I you know had some of the nostalgia of it, but Chuck E. Cheese is actually still alive and kicking. I don't know if it's well, oh. but it's. Exi- I don't know it's well. <laughs> I know they changed their mascot from the gigantic rat to like a Did much they? smaller. Yeah, they changed it to a much smaller cartoon mouse who is voiced by the lead singer from Bowling from Soup. I'm sorry, Bowling for Are Soup. Are you serious? Yeah, I'm dead serious. He does look way cuter than the... the <laughs> y'all, like listeners, please go look at old Chucky e. Cheese and new Chucky e. Cheese. It is like... All the fodder you need for this video game. I wish Kate. I don't know if you can see that. Well, you can't see it, but Kate, please look it up. Whatever. I, I trust this. me. I know exactly what they look like. Jesus Lord. Okay. <laughs> wow. I just forgot how like how bad he looked, and yeah. like they show the iteration, and he looks so much cuter now. I've okay, also, y'all go look that up. If also, if you're extra bored, you can look up training videos for the Chuck E. Cheese rat, where it's just mm. Chuck E. Like in full costume, dancing around an empty Chuck E. Cheese store so he can practice the birthday dance. <laughs> it's literally the most terrifying shit I've ever seen. But yes, when I want some '90s instructional videos, please bring them to me. Yeah, I I, I got those by the dozen. So, but let's talk about FNAF. <laughs> 
FNAF. So, it sounds like you have something stuck in your throat. FNAF. So while the premise of the game is simple, the lore behind it is infinitely more complex and disturbing. And it's important to note that none of this is canon, again, because technically Scott Cawthorn has not explicitly validated this timeline, but it's what makes the most sense to me, so it's canon enough. On another note, it's still not done. I know I said this in the beginning, but we, we're still waiting on FNAF security breach, which was slated to come out at before t- 2021. Obviously, that didn't happen. But it's supposed to come out literally any month now, and it could change everything that I believe to be true. And a third note, I'm skipping a bunch of stuff. There's so much stuff. If you're here to figure out who the hell the orange guy is or to get a better understanding of Glitch Trap from the AR game, I can't help you because all of the information that I've tried to store in my brain for this game is pushing out actually important information. <laughs> so this is all I can give you. And it'll What be told- dose was I supposed to give that dog? <laughs> <laughs> and it will be told in as linear fashion as I possibly can. Um, but there yeah, are pe- I'm super missing. rusty and never fully understood it at all. So yeah, definitely... Treat me like I'm a, I'm a baby as far as exposure to this. Let, let's dive in. So we're going to start with the missing children incident. So in the early 80s, in this fictional universe, a man in a mascot costume lured five children to a back room of Freddy Fazbear's pizzeria and presumably killed them. The bodies were never found. But the animatronics started to reek of rotting child corpses. So three guesses where they hid the bodies. So (laughs) Freddy's ends up closing for healthcare violations. I'm assuming it's not just dead bodies. So I think that they would probably, you know, call it something other than healthcare violations. But I can neither confirm nor deny that. So that's that is the basis of the story is the missing children incident in the early 80s. Then we move on to part two, which is The Bite of 87. Uh, It's very briefly mentioned by Phone Guy in the first game. So in the first game, you are situated, you you do not walk around, you stand still in this office, in the back office, where you have access to the CCTV, you have access to the lights for the hallways and uh, the doors that you can close briefly. And you have this guy who is um, known in the canon universe as Phone Guy who calls and is just leaving voice messages with information for you that's important to the game. And it's the first real pieces of lore that we get for the universe. And he talks about the bite of 87. Yeah, he starts out kind of, you don't quite know what's going on, but he's basically sounds like the maybe the manager or some someone who has hired you and is basically initially just, he is this very upbeat attitude, very like, um, jovial and then like as you start listening to the content initially it's teaching you how to play the game but as you start to listen to it it becomes a little bit more sinister and he like like Kate saying he starts I, I do remember him alluding to the bite of 82 87 um, but I don't or 87 yeah but I don't remember what the like I don't remember anything beyond that well I do and it and it, they tie they tie it in in another game later which we'll get to but basically a day shift employee was bit by a roaming animatronic in the daytime and lost part of his frontal lobe. We don't really get any more information on the victim or the responsible animatronic. And this is not super important because Cawthon has revised this canon in the future games, but it didn't stop fans from going absolutely ballistic. So following the announcement of the official FNAF 
four, there was um, on the official website, the official FNAF website, there was what, what to me, I can't really tell what it is. To me, it looks like mock code and it has these words that are scrambled up with the numbers eight and seven in them. So some super fans saw this as a reference to the bite of 87 and they interpreted mm. these crazy numbers as coordinates and they plugged them into Google Maps, which pointed them to a pizzeria. This seems really made up to me since it's literally just a bunch of eights and sevens, but these people claim it led them to a pizzeria in Virginia. I love, I just love the imagination. It's like everyone gets to like be a kid and like turn this into like a scavenger hunt or something. Like I'm kind of into it. Kind of, but they take it way too far. (laughs) Yeah, it does make you concerned for their well-being at times. And the pizzeria's well-being because guess what? They just absolutely harass this pizzeria. Oh, no. Yeah, so, and also to make matters worse, there was a review for the pizzeria from three weeks before the announcement of FNAF 4 that said, and this is a direct quote, the robots kill. I saw a robot fox killing a kid before in there. Run for your lives out of there. Five stars. (laughs) Those are my favorite kinds of reviews, but I imagine that a lot of parents didn't take kindly to that. Nor did they want to take their kids there after soccer practice. No, I, no one cared because this pizzeria had nothing to do with FNAF. And so now, like, on the, like Scott Cawthon went on to the official Reddit or the official subreddit and was like, can y'all just fucking chill? I just put a bunch of eights and sevens. It's complete coincidence. Please stop talking about it. And to this day, like, if you're on the official subreddit and you bring up the bite of 87, or not the bite of 87, but if you bring up this pizzeria, you get, like, one warning and then you get blocked. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah, because it's just like, guys, fucking chill. (laughs) Just chill out. But we're moving past the bite of 87 because it's not actually super relevant to the rest of the lore. Now, Five Nights at Freddy's 2. It's 1987. (laughs) Well, (laughs) and Freddy's is reopening following the missing children incident that shut them down. And they've also improved their animatronics to have scanning capabilities. And so the animatronics can scan the faces of the adults that come to the pizzeria. And they also have access to a criminal records database so they can scan the faces and detect predators. And this is in an effort to prevent another missing kids incident and therefore improve their reputation. They don't, it doesn't work so great though. So um, it kind of glitches out. So they'll come after you, Jeremy Fitzgerald, the player who is again, the nighttime security guard. Another important yeah. note, if you're trying to, if, if you're trying to make this make sense, first of all, it's killer animatronics. So like don't, but also, yeah, it's 1980 and we have like scanning duck animatronics that can like yeah. attack predators. <laughs> true. You just got to roll with it. You got to roll with a lot of what I'm about to say. So you're Jeremy Fitzgerald, the nighttime security guard in 1987. This is the plot of the Five Nights at Freddy's 2. Basically, it's the same as Five Nights at Freddy's 1, only way harder. And there's some new characters that we're going to get into. And there's a whole bunch of mini games that add in the bulk of the lore for FNAF. And so at the end of the game, if you if you win, you get a newspaper article that has a quote from the Fazbear CEO stating that the scanner animatronics are getting scrapped, um, which is a, a reference to the Bite of 87 because presumably um, they scanned uh, someone who worked there and like bit their face off. So, mm-hmm. uh, but that isn't where the lore is. The lore is in the mini games. So I'm going to hit each and every single one of these mini games. So the mini games are 
they happen when you die sometimes, if I recall correctly. And they're like little 8-bit Atari-style games. Oh, uh, yeah, I remember this now. So there's the first one. It's Take Cake to the Children. You play as Freddy, who's just bringing cake to kids. And um, you're just literally moving cake to different tables in a little 8-bit game. And then there's a kid in blue who's immediately outside the pizzeria who's crying. And a purple car pulls up. And then a purple man steps out. Uh, We don't know who that is at this moment, but you're going to find out who that is later. And the purple guy kills the kid and leaves the corpse outside. And then you get a jump scare from the puppet, who is one of the new characters in... Five Nights at Freddy's 2. So basically the corpse kid is now this haunted puppet. Right. That's, that's all you need to know right now. Then we have mini game. Obviously. Num- <laughs> Duh. Then we have mini game number two, which is, I think it's called like go entertain the children. So you play as Foxy the pirate and you're just, you just follow this little path and you go to the kids and they like throw confetti. Um, and so you do that, you see the kids twice and then you go again. And the third time you go and you turn the corner to go see the kids, there's a little eight bit purple man in the corner. Who's like leering at you and you go past him into the room and all the kids are just little gray corpses. And then you get a jump scare from Foxy. That's very yikesy. Yep. Then you have minigame three, which is give gifts to the children. <laughs> and you play as the puppet. And you have these four gray little corpse children. And you give them gifts. You literally have little boxes. Um, because, again, it's like a little Chuck E. Cheese franchise where there's, like, birthday parties and stuff. So you, you're bringing them gifts and nothing's happening. There's still little dead gray corpses. And then the title changes and it says give life. And so you go up to each gray corpse and um, as you do, their heads change into those of the four core animatronics, the bunny, the chicken, the fox, and Freddy. And then you have a very quick, and I didn't catch this on my own, you have a very quick single frame shot of a fifth gray corpse who's right in the middle. And then you get a jump scare from Golden Freddy, who I mentioned earlier. And mm-hmm. so I, I, I think this is the corpse that's haunting Golden Freddy. Is that fifth child or fifth character? Anyway, so How that's... Many- how many kids in the original, like in the original story, died? Uh, it's very, it's very difficult to say, but I'm trying to hit them sequentially. So right now gotcha. we have the five, okay, from the missing children incident, and it's a, you know, it's a direct reference to we killed these kids, we took their bodies, we shoved them into these animatronic mechanical things. So at first you think. Or at first it's understood that it's a way of hiding the bodies. But now you see that there's this puppet character who the puppet, if we go back to the first mini game, the puppet is the child that was killed by Purple Man outside of Freddy Fazbear's or outside of Fazbear's Pizzeria or whatever it was originally called. And now the puppet is trying to save these children, I guess, or give them life. It's It seems like... Like, it's not malicious. Like, they're trying to help because the title is Give Life. And you or maybe see, he's lonely. May, oh, that's so sad. I know. But, I mean, like, if he's, like, I don't know, like, maybe he's, is he involved in the murdering? Maybe he's, like. No, 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 no. We're, we get more We get more info on the puppet soon. Mm. We get more info on the puppet soon. But I don't think it's, it's, it's not a mean-spirited thing. But it is how the animatronics become possessed by those five kids. Now there's another mini game, a fourth mini game, and basically this one is just 
it's an 8-bit game and there's the puppet and the puppet is like a few steps ahead of you and you either follow the puppet or you don't. If you follow the puppet, nothing really happens. The minigame ends, nothing happens. If you don't, then you get to explore the pizzeria and you see creepy corpses and shit. And very rarely, not every time, but you will run into the purple man who's fast, like kind of creepy fast, and he will try like try to reach out and touch you. And ah. if, he, if he does touch you, it ends the minigame. So what about the bite of 87? So the animatronic scanned and attacked the day shift employee and they're scanning and attacking you. So what we can extrapolate from this or what my head canon is, is that these children were killed by someone who was wearing a mascot costume. Um, They are now possessing these animatronics and now they have the mechanical or the technical capabilities of scanning and attacking predators. And they are choosing to attack. Um, the, the Bite of 87 was a day shift employee, and now they're choosing to attack you, who is a night shift employee. So for me, that makes it very clear that they're after the purple man who tried to kill them, who was an employee of mm, Fazbear Pizza. I see. And this does get what confirmed if you're later. The, what if you're the predator? N- not in this game. In, a, in yeah. another game, you are. <laughs> oh, well then. Yeah, we'll get there. So that's that's Five Nights at Freddy's 2, which is the prequel to FNAF 1, which is set in 1993. That's the first game that we talked about. Now on to FNAF 3. I don't know when this one takes place. I think I know what it, it I think it's sometime in the 2000s. I'm not sure. I really don't know. But this one takes place at Fazbear Fright's Horror Attraction, where basically... Fazbear's has been closed, pizzeria is closed, and people are just using it as this horror attraction. So it is like deeply terrifying. They're not make, trying to make it cutesy. They're like, you've seen the daytime stuff. You've seen animatronics walking around and cute kid things around, and that's not going to creep you out this time. So we're just going to go all in and make it just dilapidated and terrifying and dark. And this is where we learn about spring lock suits. Well, do you, like, what is the premise in the story, at least, like, how do you, like, what are, what are they selling the setting as? Because it, it wouldn't make sense if there was an overtly horrifying place associated with the pizzeria, right? Well, yeah, because the pizzeria has since been closed down. And so now we have this group that is, or this company that's taken over and turning it into a Fazbear Frights horror attraction. Gotcha. Okay. And so that's, that's, that's your role. You work at this horror attraction. I think that's your role. Again, I haven't played this one, and it's everything super confusing. So if you guys know what's actually the case or you know when this one takes place, please let me know. But this is when we learn about spring lock suits. So these are suits that double as they're, they, they're animatronics, but they double as a wearable suit for performers. So the the mechanics are that you can crank the suits so the mechanical insides separate and they make room for a performer to slip in. Sounds dangerous? Why, yes, it is. Because (laughs) the spring locks are extremely sensitive and sometimes they just snapped back through your body and just skewered you. And we know... a a flawed plan. (laughs) Yes, and that's how we, we, we get a character from this which I will get to in a minute, but um, this was confirmed in one of the books. So this one I know to be true about the spring luck suits. And we also have more Purple Man mini games where we get even more lore. So we have this Purple Man. He is just, we, we see him in, again, another little 8-bit Atari-style game, and he's going up to all the suits and he's like dismantling them at the original Fazbear locations. 
he's confronted by the angry spirits of the children that he killed, the little gray corpse kids. And so he hides from them by jumping into the suit. Um, but he obviously gets skewered by the finicky mechanical interior and dies a horrific and slow death. And that's how we get this new character called Springtrap. I think that's his name, Springtrap, which is essentially the purple man's haunted, tortured, undead soul inside of this springlock bunny suit. So he died just kind from of. the suit itself. Yes. Wow, that's very um, unsatisfying that he was not caught and very, like, yeah, that that's very unsatisfying. So we're not... We're not done. <laughs> oh. We're just on FNAF 3. How many <laughs> there's are there? more. So there's at least seven if you don't include DLCs and mobile games. And there's like, Jesus I don't know, I don't know if that includes include this. I don't know if that includes the virtual reality game, um, which is where Glitch Trap comes in that I'm not even going to touch because <laughs> I can't. But we know we have the Purple Man living inside of Spring Trap from this game. So. Fazbear, and at the end of the game, Fazbear Frights, which is the attraction, burns to the ground. But of course, the undead zombie animatronic of Purple Man lives on as Springtrap, who is now a full on character, and of course, does not burn in the fire. Of course, he doesn't. Of course not. So, on to FNAF 4. Um, this is in 1983. We get a lot more lore through cutscenes slash minigames. And this is where we meet the Aftons. So the Aftons are a family that are super, super important for the lore and tie in a lot of speculation and thoughts and headcanon from the first few games. So you have William Afton, who is the co-creator of Freddy Fazbear's Family Diner, which is the first OG establishment of the 80s. Yeah, the the first iteration of, of, of this franchise. And then you have a, you have the, the co the other co-creator whose name is Henry Emily who is also cassette man from the AR the AR series. I'm not going to touch that again, but if you want if you know who cassette man is, this is one and the same. It's Henry Emily who's the co-creator. So I guess I should just go ahead and say it. William Afton is the purple man, which makes a lot of sense because we know that the purple man is someone who works at the establishment who had access to these suits and who had malicious intent with these suits. And so he is one of the co-creators. Henry Emily is pretty much the protagonist of FNAF, uh, mostly the books. He's in a lot of the books. And then we have Afton slash purple man, who's the antagonist. Um, But it's not just William Afton. He has a whole family, and they're all kind of important. So you have Michael Afton, who is the eldest child and a little piece of shit. Then you have the the younger child, the younger son, who is referred to canonically as crying child. And then you have a daughter that we'll get to later. So basically in these cutscenes slash minigames in FNAF 4, we might have Michael Afton, the eldest child, just actively bullying and tormenting his little brother who's really afraid of the animatronics because of course he is. And he's wearing um, the animatronic Foxy mask and like popping out at him and kids like crying and screaming. And so naturally um, he bullies him even further. He Crying Child has a birthday at Fazbear Pizza because his dad is working there. And so he gets brought there a lot. And Michael brings three of his friends so they can all wear masks and torture Crying Child. And, oh, as, wow. and, and this is all shown as like the little 8-bit cutscene minigame. And as a prank, they shove Crying Child into the mouth of Freddy Fazbear animatronic. Who then crushes, Hilarious. Yeah, who crushes the kid's head. Um, ah. And he dies. It's super fucked up and he dies. 
on to the next one. Now we're on to FNAF sister location, which is at a different place. It's called Circus Baby's Pizza World. Uh, I feel like they're stretching now. No, it's wonderful. <laughs> we are at Circus Baby's Pizza World, and these animatronics are different because they were designed with the purpose of killing children. Oh, well, I mean, yeah, yeah that's an evolution. Yeah, well, at this point, we know that Henry... I'm not, I'm sorry, not Henry. And we know that William Afton is the purple man and he likes to kill kids. Um, I don't think he did not mean for his own kid to get crushed or whatever, but you know, play stupid games. And so now we're at circus babies pizza world and Henry Emily, who is the good guy co-creator did not realize what he had created. How? I don't know, but he doesn't. So he just dips out and wants nothing to do with it. And anyway, it backfires because Afton's littlest child, the daughter I referred to earlier, her name is Elizabeth, and she is obsessed with the main robot whose name is Circus Baby. <laughs> and uh. you, you, just look up Circus Baby. I want you to have a good visual for Circus Baby. Let me see. Ah! <laughs> it looks like, and I'll let y'all, y'all can all look it up also. It looks like, Raggedy Ann, if she was, like, a little, like, more of a clown. It's like, a Harley, it's like a Harley Quinn, Raggedy Ann, Demonic clown robot, <laughs> is what I would say. And I think its eyes light up red. Oh, of course they do. So, anyway, this backfires. So, um, Afton obviously is like, no, you can't go see Circus Baby because <laughs> I designed her to kill children. And she sneaks off to see her anyway, and she dies because, you know, that's the whole point. And so she is now inside of Circus Baby. And it's important to note that there is obviously some sort of black magic component. Like, there's, there's a mystical component. Yeah, so like, cause like sure. when Yeah, because, like, when the kids are killed and people are killed and Springtrap becomes Springtrap, like, it's like their souls are intermingled into, like, this demonic twisted version of themselves inside of this animatronic which is yeah. fascinating and i love it yeah but basically we now have circus baby as another character who is another dead kid inside another animatronic so obviously circus baby's pizza world then closes for quote-unquote gas leaks and they change their business model and now we start the game <laughs> so wow. in this game in sister location you play as michael afton who is the son who crushes his kid brother's head so now and, you are the predator yes exactly and so I, I get fuzzy on this but you're playing from his point of view and you're going to get circus baby you want to do we're doing something with the soul of the dead daughter of elizabeth afton and so he gets hired by the company as a technician and um, elizabeth's soul elizabeth's demon soul sees this as a way to escape the facility. And so this is where it gets even more confusing. It's so it's, we have circus baby and we have all the other animatronics. And so basically they mash themselves up. They like take all pieces and bits of themselves to create one robot whose name is innard fittingly. And they trick Michael into following them into the technician room. This like technician room that has a machine mm -hmm. in it that scoops out people's insides <laughs> So that they can do just that to Michael. So they do. They scoop out Michael's insides, your insides, and they climb inside his flesh suit and they leave the facility. <laughs> oh, well, so that's it, very, uh, what teamwork. Yeah, so it works. Um, 
but the skin suit rots and you get a really great visual of this. And so people start to notice he turns like purple. He looks exactly like purple guy. Ah, I see. I see. I don't. I kind of do, but I'm just like, but is he? But the other one's purple. I guess they're both purple guy. I guess like. Wait, I thought you said Michael Afton, who was volunteering to go save his daughter, was purple guy. No, William Afton, who is – I, I, wait, hold on. When does this one take place? I'm pretty – no, William Afton isn't dead at this point, but William Afton is purple guy. He's the dad. And Michael Afton is the eldest brother who's a lot like the dad. Um, and I don't think that William Afton has turned into Springtrap yet Gotcha. at this point. So now that the flesh suit is rotten, Innard, which is, again, the smashed-up version of all the robots that escaped, leaves Michael's body. But Michael's body remains sentient because, you know, it's been touched by the evil black magic that first touched Fazbear's all those years ago and has Mm -hmm. since touched so many other things. Now the other animatronics reject Circus Baby because I guess her plan didn't work out and they don't have a host now. So anyway, let's recap. Who's left? Um, we got Springtrap, who is William Afton. We have Circus Baby, who's Elizabeth Afton. We have the puppet. Oh, I forgot to mention this. The puppet is Charlotte Emily. So the puppet is Mike. I'm sorry. What's his name? Henry Emily's daughter. The good guy. It's mm-hmm. his daughter, Charlotte Emily, um, who, who was the one who was killed outside of the pizzeria by Purple Guy in the purple car from, I think, the second game. Why did the, like, uncle kill his own niece? It's not – he's not an uncle. It's just two co-creators of this Oh, they're not related. Franchise. Oh, I thought they were, like, brother and sister. Okay. Well, first of all, they're both or brother men. and brother. <laughs> no, they're not. They're, they're, they're just um, work colleagues, I guess. Um, so, again, Springtrap is William Afton. Circus Baby is Elizabeth Afton. Then we have the puppet, who is Charlotte Emily. And then we have Innard, who is all of the missing children from the missing children incident. So, now what? Now, Henry has a plan, y'all. <laughs> Henry, you thought Henry just dipped out, but he has a he has a plan. So, Henry makes another fucking animatronic whose name, I'm not going to get into it. His name is Lefty. It stands for something, but it doesn't matter. And he makes Lefty to retrieve the puppet slash Charlotte and basically set her soul free. But how? And this is where the black magic part is important. Basically, you can undo the black magic and set the souls free if you just set everything on fire. So his plan is to grab all these haunted, tainted souls, including, um, you know, William Afton, who fucking sucks. But mostly he's trying to save, you know, the, the children, um, the missing children, Charlotte, Emily, and Elizabeth Afton. So he saved, he, you collect all of them and you set them all on fire and just send them to the great beyond. And that's exactly what happens. And that's what he does. And that's where it ends from my understanding. Hmm. And it, and it's actually plays out a lot more satisfying than you think it does because basically the circus baby, the puppet, entered all the children, their souls are set free and they're laid to rest while Springtrap is basically condemned to like the darkest depths of hell where he's tormented forever and ever because that's one of the other games. <laughs> well, that's at least um, all the – it sounds like all of the – individual games and pretty bleakly like you escape but like things are still real bad 
So it seems like a nice, um, like, a finally a happy ending. Yeah, but they're not done because they're still making more. They're still going on. Dot, There's dot, dot, still so now. much that I left out. You guys have no idea. There's so much. But I thought at, at its core, this was a really interesting story, a really creative story. Uh, I'm probably not going to play every single one of these games because I don't know if I have the mental fortitude to do that because mm-hmm. jump scares are scary. <laughs> but Maybe maybe I'll try. Maybe if you guys are interested, we could play them all together as a club. That could be fun. But that was my Five Nights at Freddy's lore breakdown, the incomplete lore breakdown. Yeah, I'm going to have to go back and like listen to this myself to make sure that I follow along fully cuz wow, that's very that's very involved. I can see how the creator at certain points was like y'all need to all calm down. Oh, and I haven't even talked about the fan base, which is one of the weirdest, creepiest, most... Just, like, watch out, you guys. Yeah, there, there's some weirdos out there. There's some weirdos. One of the things that I pulled up while Kate was telling us a little bit about it, because I just could not... I was just so curious about the concept that there are entire novels that have been published for this. And what was wild was, like, there are only a thousand reviews on some of, like, the novel set that I saw, but it was well-reviewed. And on top of that, it was like, my kids loved this game since he was four. And I'm like, what? They started <laughs> young. <laughs> yeah, and like sometimes it gives them bad dreams. I'm like, oh, yeah, no it's a children's <laughs> story? So like, I think, I thought it was like, like geared towards adults, but it seems to be like. Oh, it's not geared extent. towards adults. Like, yeah. there's an adult fandom for sure. <laughs> But I think the least creepy fandom is actually, like, the kids who enjoy it for what it's meant to be. Yeah, which I can't judge them too harshly because I feel like I've always been into true crime. Oh, hell no. No, I love it. Good good for these kids. I think we had had scary stories still in the dark and Are You Afraid of the Dark and all this cool stuff. Like, I'm worried that kids don't have enough of this. But they they got, you know, they got FNAF, so. (laughs) I don't know if I'm worried that they don't have enough of it. I worry. I worry about the horror of tomorrow. <laughs> but that that's it. That's all I had for you guys. Well, wow, that was very interesting. And now I feel the need to go. I kind of want to just skip several games and just play like five or one of the later ones and just see how some of these new characters evolve. Evolve because I only know the classic ones from playing the first one. So wow, Again, thanks, Kate. Yeah, yeah, and we can play it as a club if you guys want to. But yeah, that was yeah. <laughs> that was FNAF. Um, I gotta go because this mini episode is turning into a, a full episode. But yeah, it's a maxi been, episode, real quick. <laughs> it's it's been really fun. I had a good time, and I yeah. love having this opportunity to talk about whatever we want. So, uh, all right. Well, that's it. Um, I guess we'll see you guys next week for. Um, oh, what are we covering? We are covering misery. Oh, yes. Okay. Well, I'm going to go watch that now. So I'll see you guys next week for Misery. Bye, guys.